want you to remain standing while I read the passage for this scripture today. It's found in Romans chapter 14. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. It says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. But the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. You getting hungry yet? Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will, be, will give according to himself, himself to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to respond to the things that your spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. May God be seated. <clears throat> today we're looking at Romans chapter number 14 that we just read, and it's an interesting portion of scripture, difficult somewhat to deal with, but we'll try to do the best we can today. Uh, Pastor Daniel uh, left off with chapter 13, and in verse number 8 it says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And he talked about loving one another, talking about getting all of these aspects together and coming to the place of honoring God with all of our hearts. And so we move to chapter 14 today, and I think Paul the Apostle left this for later on in the Word. He talked a, a lot about theological things to begin with and about coming to Christ and what it was to uh, enjoy the presence of God and realize the Word that he's given to us. And then he goes on and... and uh, talks very practical things in these last verses, and so uh, we want to talk about this, the relationship that God has given us in the church one with another, the relationship that God has given us in the church one to another. Now, here in Rome, they were probably mainly Gentiles because they were in Rome, but there were always Jewish people coming into the church as well. And so the primary thing that he's talking about here is the difference between the Jews 
and the Gentiles in how they related to one another in the midst of this thing called Christianity. And they were learning things, and so he's giving some explanation here, and that's what we're dealing with in this chapter. So our relationships in the church, one with another, and uh, God's intention is that we would be members one of another that we would come into relationship with each other, that we would know something about one another, that we would pray for one another, all of those one another scriptures. And by the way, there's 28 different one another scriptures in the New Testament. And so there's a bunch of things that we need to do for one another, forgiving one another, praying for one another, establishing our lives together with one another. That's the whole process. And so we're going to begin here in chapter number 14. Verse 1 says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And so he kind of makes a progression and a separation between what he said about the love of God. He says, Now, now that we're loving one another, what are we going to do in our relationship together? Now accept the one who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of passing judgment. And so he wants us to accept one another and to work with one another, get to know one another, relate to one another, and uh, to basically accept where they are, no matter where they are. And we're at all different levels, and so that's a challenge for us, but that's what God calls us to do. We are a part of the family of God. Over in the book of Ephesians, let me just read a few verses from there. Chapter 4 talks about the body of Christ, talks about what we are together as a church. And so let me read here from verses 2 and 3 in chapter 4. It says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That sound good? No comment yet. Okay. I'll, I'll come back to you. Chapter uh, 4 and verses 15 and 16. It says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. That's one another responding. According to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So there's a relationship that we have in Christ. He puts us within his body, and he calls us to love one another and to establish his kingdom here on earth. That's what he came to do, to establish not only the church, but to establish his kingdom. We are kingdom kids participating in this great plan that God has for us that we would come together and that we would understand his great power and his great presence in our lives that we would be a unique people like none other. I heard uh, actually a, a, a thing on television today where they brought in a person and they were talking about the difference between people in the church and people outside of the church. And this woman was part of the religious aspect of the, of the station. So she was saying, people that go to church are the best people in the world. Amen. I only heard one, but that's true. You're the best people in the world because you've made contact with God. God has contacted you, and you have formed this loving relationship where you accept one another, where you bind 
together one with another, where you help one another, you encourage one another, you strengthen one another. There's something special about the body of Christ. And that's what Paul is dealing with here. He doesn't want it to be messed up. He wants it to be encouraged and built up. And so he goes on <clears throat> and he says here, uh, you did not make your brothers or sisters part of the family of God, but the Lord did. You didn't make one another part of the family of God. We didn't do that. Maybe we witnessed and testified to people, but when it came right down to it, God is the one that gives the increase. God is the one that deals with our life and brings us into a relationship with him. And we give thanks to him for that. So we all belong to the family of God. We're a part of this great thing that God has put together. Now, what do we do with various opinions when we've been brought together in this loving relationship? What do we do with all these opinions? Because we have a lot of them. Now, I don't know about you, but I was born again in a legalistic church. And they had all kinds of rules and regulations. The things that I heard were quite interesting. Uh, you can't go to the movies, can't go to dancing, can't play cards. I was raised playing cards. Uh, the way you dress is very important. Uh, all of these kind of things. Drinking, of course, was not even considered something. And I don't know all of the other. There were rule after rule after rule. One day I walked into church behind a young lady and she had on a spaghetti strap top and she was stopped by the ushers at the door and said, I'm sorry, you need to go home and change. You need to put something over your shoulders. Go get a shawl or go put on something different. And I listened to that. I'm, I'm only 17 when I'm born again. So these things were really weird to me. Uh, but the love of God was there. It was a legalistic church, but I learned how to love Jesus there, and I learned how to love other legalistic people. You love, love legalistic people? You need to love them because they're, they're hard to love sometimes, but it's okay. Uh, you can love them. Uh, I was 17, so I did all kinds of things that the other young people in the church didn't do. I remember after I went to Bible college, I met this wonderful woman that's now my wife, uh, Judy, and after we got together a little bit and... Uh, I think it was probably in our second year of Bible college. I'm not sure when it was exactly, but uh, one day I said to her, would you like to go see a movie? She says, oh, no, we're not supposed to see movies. I said, I know, but that's something that we're not supposed to do, but I found this movie. I know that you would enjoy it. I think I would enjoy it. We won't. We lived in Chicago in the north part. I said, we won't go to a movie theater up here. We'll drive all the way to South Chicago Nobody will know us. They won't know who we are when we go into the theater. They, there's not, we're not going to have repercussions because of this. And she said, okay. And so I got in the car, drove to South Chicago. We went to see The Sound of Music. You like it, don't you? <laughs> so did I, so did she. And so uh, I kind of pulled her out of her legalism into uh, doing all kinds of things with me that uh, we went to a lot of movies after that. Uh, the thing was, I, when I was saved, I, we had a television at home, and the stuff that you saw on TV wasn't sometimes worth looking at. And oh my goodness, today it's worse than it's ever been. Uh, so I saw a contradiction there, and I... I don't like contradictions, and I'm a little bit of a rebel anyway from the beginning, and so uh, I asked her to go, and so we see movies. There's a lot of things that we do that uh, weren't permissible in the church that I grew up with. <clears throat> and uh, so 
It's been a wonderful life to trust Jesus, and we don't have a lot of rules and regulations here. In fact, if you come to our membership class, we go through a whole thing on legalism, and we say that that isn't what we're about. We're not here to tell you how to dress or what to do. Uh, we believe God's going to speak to you. I remember one time <clears throat> one of the young men had been invited to the church, and so he came in his suit, and he had a tie on. Uh, we have a few people who still wear ties, uh, but... Uh, because pastor doesn't wear a tie, I thought probably I shouldn't wear a tie, so I don't. Anyway, he came, dressed in a suit, best clothes, had a tie on, and he's walking into the old church. This is a long time ago. As he walked in the old church, there were people walking in with shorts on, people with tank tops on. And so he told me later, he says, I thought those people must be coming in to work in the basement or something. You know, that they, they can't be going to church because he was also raised in a legalistic church and you, you get dressed up to go to church. But when he got into the sanctuary and he saw those same people worshiping God, he said, what is going on in this place? And uh, he learned after a few weeks and a few months that it's okay to be different. It's okay to dress differently. But that kind of shook his mind and his heart. He came out of a legalistic church like I did. Anyway, there's a strong person. It says in verse number two, it says, one person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. I don't think this is talking about vegetarians only, but let me tell you, Jewish people mainly ate vegetables. They didn't eat a lot of meat, especially meat that was offered to idols and all those kind of things. So they only ate vegetables. And then he says in verse three, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Whatever your dietary desires are, God accepts you the way that you are. And the Jewish people needed to understand they were accepted with their menu, whatever they ate, and the Gentiles were also accepted with whatever they ate. And it was a struggle for them as to whether they would <clears throat> be uh, loving with one another or whether they would have a problem with one another. And uh, when it comes down to opinions of things, it's not just legalism, but it's, it's the word of God that he's given to us so we can get beyond that aspect so we can love one another. There's all kinds of things that in the scripture tells us what to do and what not to do. Of course, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery and do not steal. But there are many others that are there as well that we don't pay a lot of attention to, but the Bible says, uh, <clears throat> do not speak against one another. Wow, that has a lot of ramifications, doesn't it? Do not speak against one another. That's what we're supposed to do, not, not do that. Do not get drunk with wine, is what it says. So besides the Ten Commandments, there are a lot of other not just divine suggestions, but directions for how we're supposed to live as Christians. Okay? So we need to look at that and see what he's given to us as to how to live as Christians and how to encourage one another with the words that God has given to us. So there's a strong, there's the weak, and we need to understand that there's a combination of people among us. And if we talk seriously with one another, there are many vegetarians I know among us. 
And there are many people that love steak. It's just like, like God's gift from above uh, that, that we enjoy those things. But when we get together with one another, if somebody has a strong opinion of something that they don't do, tell us that the strong person is not to treat that person with contempt, not to bring even judgment because that's what the other person do. They judge the people that have more freedom. And we're not to live like that. Instead, we're to live in harmony with one another, with love for one another, and accept one another just like they are. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? <clears throat> and so God has accepted them. God has brought them into his family. And if God brought them into his family, who are you to say, no, you can't be a part of this? <laughs> he wants to make us all a part of that. And it's amazing how God's script, scriptures deal with this. And so that's the first three verses. The next three verses kind of divides into three, 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 and three as we go through. So beginning in verse number four, it says, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We're not responsible for deciding what somebody else's conduct ought to be. Okay? That's not our responsibility. We're not to, to respond and, and tell people how to conduct their lives. In fact, if you come to our membership class, we have a whole section on legalism and how to treat aspects of that with people in the body of Christ. We're not to judge them. We're not to condemn them. We're not to in any way put them down, but we're to accept the opinions that they have. <clears throat> so, uh, first of all, we do uh, accept their conduct. And secondly, we, will, we understand that the Lord is going to stand, is able to make them stand. And that's an interesting thing for us because we don't always see that. We think that, oh my goodness, this brother is in trouble and so I better rescue him from trouble. And uh, maybe so. Maybe you have the word of God for him, but you better pray and ask God to see if you ought to talk to that person about that. Because many people have been driven out of the church because of insensitivity, the way that we talk to one another. Of course, that's not happened to any of you. I understand that. They're just a harmony and a love. That, I tell you, Grace Point has been, ever since I've been here, a wonderful place of acceptance, wonderful place of love, wonderful place how people get along one with another. And it just amazes me, and it always has. And you are a wonderful group of people. You really are. God has worked this within your spirits, and he's brought us together. And we come from all kinds of different nationalities and places where there would be differences of opinion on all kinds of things. But those things don't separate us. In fact, I think they kind of bring us together. Uh, we had a missionary convention a few years ago and we said why don't we just have all of the different people bring their food to share with other people and so we had oh my goodness all kinds of food some that I had never even seen before uh, and I remember one woman in Brooklyn uh, she thought it'd be a good thing to to cook for the pastor one day and so she brought me this jar full of stuff and it was very dark uh, I took it home and I said that we've been given this from a lady at church and I don't know what it is. She didn't tell me what it was, but she said this is food that she made for us. And so we opened the jar and looked at it and thought, 
This is very interesting. I don't know if this is good or not, but it's from her nationality. It's from what she did, and it was different than anything we ever tasted before. Uh, it was. I think we ate a little bit of it, but I don't think we ate the whole thing. It was, and that's, we just have different tastes, and that's okay. You can like one thing and another person can like another thing because there are different opinions about food. And so we accept one another on that basis. So <clears throat> how does this all of the work out? Well, it's interesting how it works out. In verse number five, it says one person regards one day above another. Uh, it says another regards every day alike. Uh, and I've met people when we celebrate various days, even Christmas, some people in the, in the congregation say, why, why do we celebrate Christmas? Well, because that's the day we celebrate his birth. But you know he wasn't born on December 25th, don't you? Yeah, I've read that. And very likely he was born sometime in August or September. I don't know when he was born. Uh, we don't have an exact date for that. We just celebrate on December 25th. And that's when we make a big deal about that. And I know some people that come to the church and they don't like those particular days. Uh, we even had a special day recently where we invited all of our family over to the house. Do you know what day that was? Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> to us, that's a day for the family to get together and eat chili and, and cornbread and all those kind of things. So we enjoy getting together as a family and that's a holiday for us. Uh, and some people probably don't even watch the Super Bowl, let alone celebrate Super Bowl Sunday. But that's okay. We have different opinions about how we're going to treat different days. Some people don't like the special days. Some people do. And uh, we're just different. But it says there at the end of that, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Have you thought through those things? Have you thought about how we do celebrate. I hope you celebrate something because we need to be fully convinced in our own minds. We need to have clear thinking about our Christian experience and we need to know how to live in this society that God has given to us. And let me tell you, sometimes it's a challenge because it's not just among the church but it's among the world in which we live that, man, there's some strange people out there. And there's all kinds of things. So we need to be fully convinced in ourselves, even to have right relationships with one another, let alone the world. <clears throat> and so this is how we're called together, being fully convinced, being right thinking. The book of Philippians says in chapter, uh, verse and four, number eight, uh, chapter four, verse number eight, it says, think on these things. Let me just read it to you. It's, a, it's an amazing verse. Philippians if I can find it here. Philippians in chapter number four and verse number eight. Maybe some of you have memorized it. Uh, I think at one time I had it memorized, but it's, all of the details are gone from my mind now. Hold on. It's in my Bible. I know it is. Philippians four and verse number eight. Okay, here it is. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence and it is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. We're actually told in the Bible what to think about. 
And I know people think about all kinds of things, and maybe we ought to make that a memory verse and say, I, I need to think about all of these good things. I need to think about what is excellent. I need to think about what is good report. Uh, and I know sometimes you get together with people, and, and uh, some people, you're just drawn to them because they're just so positive about life, so positive about everything. And then every once in a while, God even places within the body of Christ people that don't think that way. And they go from trouble to trouble, from problem to problem. And when they talk to you, you just think, I got to go talk to somebody else. Uh, I, well, I don't think any of you ran into those people in the lobby, but uh, they might be on some other church. But it's just difficult to talk with them because it's so negative, it's so down, it's so discouraging. And uh, I guess we need to encourage those people. But if Jesus accepted them, maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe you ought to pray for them. Maybe you ought to say, can I pray for you right now? You can do that. Uh, for sure, later on, you can pray for them and say, God, would you just encourage this brother, this sister? They're going through a hard time. I don't know what it all entails, but I know that you do because you know everything. And you brought them into the family of God, so I know that you have an answer for them. I know you have a purpose to fulfill in their lives. It's interesting. <clears throat> there in verse number 6, it says, He who observes a day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to the Lord. Both of these people, both of these people give thanks to the Lord, whether it's eating or whether it's not eating, but both of them give thanks to the Lord. Isn't that amazing that you can have two different opinions, two different thoughts about how to live your life and be a Christian? Are we all going to be the same in heaven? Not sure about that one, right? <laughs> We're going to be different. He created us different. He gave us different personalities. He made us differently. And we're not the same as each other. I mean, look around us here this morning. We are a different kind of a people. Many churches don't have the different kind of people that God has put within Grace Point. And maybe he's done it so that we can grow greater in love with one another where we can truly accept other people because they're God's kids. He's accepted them, so we need to accept them. So when you walk through the lobby, when you leave today, stop and talk to somebody and say, brother, I just want to say I love you and I accept you for who you are. That sound good? Some of you don't think you want to do that, but it's okay to do that, to accept one another and to let them know that you're really there for them, both persons. Whether they give thanks to the Lord for one thing or give thanks to the Lord for the other, it's okay. Both of them are doing the same thing. So let's honor that. In verse number seven, it says, for not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. Maybe you ought to underline that. Make that, it's an easy verse to remember. Make that a verse that you'll remember, all right? Not one of us lives for himself. We've been transformed. We've been changed. Remember when I first came into the church? Uh, I thought it was wonderful. I got saved uh, the second time that I was at that church. And uh, the amazing thing that, that took place within my, my Christian experience there. And uh, I grew in the things of God there. It was wonderful. And God had other things for me to grow in. And he had other things for me to experience. And to actually be an encouragement to one another. To live selfishly. To live unselfishly. 
when I got married, I thought, well, my wife's going to take care of everything. And pretty much she did. But after a few years and after a couple of kids, uh, the Lord began to tell me, you know, there's stuff that you can do around the house to help. There's stuff you can do. And so I started taking out the garbage. And then I started, you're laughing. I did. And then there were other things that I found to do. And uh, after a while, I would leave work and come home and say, what is there here for me to do? How can I help? How can I be an encouragement to my wife and to the family? And I, I'm ready to do whatever. And I'm no longer living for myself when I go home. I'm living for this wonderful wife that God has given to me and for the family. I live for them. I do things for them. I, I want to do things for them. And often I'll ask Judy how I can help you. And uh, she gives me a lot of things that I can do. Uh, <laughs> she helps me out with that. Uh, this morning, I took some chicken downstairs that we're going to have for dinner later on. And uh, I don't know if you reminded me about that or whether I just down, went down and got it. But uh, I brought it upstairs for her, knowing that she would need it for today. There's things that you begin to do and you, you just do them because you're not living for yourself. America preaches and acknowledges selfishness. That's what our country does. If it's not anything that benefits you, if you don't believe me, look at our Congress. Okay, everything is about them and what they're doing. I think they just gave themselves another pay raise. I don't, I don't know who does that, but they gave themselves a pay raise. I'm not against America, but I'm against the culture that's in America. And the body of Christ has a different culture. We are here to serve one another. When you come to church, and I used to do this, I, I came and said, oh God, speak to me today. I need your help. I need your word. I need you to touch me. And that disappeared a long time ago. And now when I prepare to come to church, I said, Lord, would you show me who I can talk to to encourage today? Would you tell me who I can minister to? Is there somebody that, that I can help today when I go to church? And I don't think it's just because I'm a minister because I did this a long time ago. I, I learned how to be a member of the body of Christ. And it has nothing to do with what's going on in my life. It has to do with what's going on in your life. What can I do to encourage you? What can I do to lift you up? What can I do to, to minister God's word to you? Whatever it is, if it's a simple thing, I'll do the simple thing. That's what God's called us to do. Not to, uh, to live itself for himself and not to die for himself. Verse 8 says, For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to God. Jesus came. <laughs> Just amazing thing to understand that Jesus came from heaven where there was perfect peace, godliness, everything, and he chose to come to earth. You know why he came to ch chose to do that? Because we were all sinful. We were going our own way. We were built out of selfishness. And you don't have to teach little children how to be selfish. Oh, my goodness. You give them a toy, and that's their toy. And you better not touch it or have any other kid touch it. I mean, that's how we're born. And somehow God sent Jesus 
that he might be able to forgive our selfishness. He might be able to forgive us our sin. That he might bring us into the body of Christ where we learn how to love one another and accept one another and build up one another, strengthen one another, do all of those one another things that God calls us to do. That's his calling on our life. It's not to live for who we are. That's what the word of God says. Not to live for ourselves, but to live for him. You know the first and greatest commandment, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Do you know what the second one is? Some of you do. It says we're to love one another like we've been loved. That's what we're supposed to do. And Jesus said that kind of wraps all of the commandments up together. Love God and love his people. If you can do that, you're number one with God. You really are. You're doing the thing that God has called you to do. Verse 8 says, For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're at. Verse number 9, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Now, when he said dead and living, I think that first of all, who's dead today? Jesus said people that didn't know God were still dead in their sins. Interesting. <laughs> and those who have received him and come into a relationship with him are alive. He's both God of the dead and the living. So when you go out even into the world, you've learned how to love one another in the body of Christ. Now we're to learn even how to love people that are dead out in the world that don't know God at all. A compassion, a care, a love for them. That you might be the evangelist that God has called you to. That you might share your testimony with others that they might understand the love that God has given them. When I was working in a grocery store, it's amazing. I learned how to share my faith in the grocery store, not necessarily by words, but how I worked and the kind of things that I did. And I did things the way the manager wanted me to do them, and I did them as quickly as I could. And he would often put other people with me so that they'd learn how to work in the same way. And it was only because I was a Christian, not because I had a great work ethic. I, I had to do the things that God is calling me to do as my job. And so hopefully at your job, you're doing the best job that you can do. Don't get a job and then do however you want to do it. Take an extra break. Do those kind of things. No, then you have a testimony, but it's not a good one. You have a testimony that other people say, I don't want to be like that guy. I had so many people come up to me in the grocery store literally and say, Floyd, I need to talk to you about why do you do what you do? I said, well, the only way... Explanation I can give you is that I love Jesus and I'm serving him and I'm serving other people. My life is not about myself any longer. It's about what he's given me to do. And I saw two or three people in that store come to know Jesus just because of that simple testimony of how I worked. That encouraging you? Work hard. Whatever he's given you to do. Don't despise the job that God has given to you. I've seen so many people, God has provided a job for them and said, 
I don't want this job. I want a different job. Well, do the job God's given you to do, and maybe he'll give you a different one. But do the best job that he's given you to do. Hallelujah. Where am I? Uh, I need to find out what to do next here. Verse number 10. But you, why do you judge your brother? He just keeps going over this, doesn't he? I think he wants to get our attention. Why do you judge your brother? Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before God, it says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, even every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. And I think that most people, when we read this, we're thinking about the final judgment when we actually come before God and, and we're going to have to answer for the things that God has given us to do. I think this happens right now. Is he only the judge that's going to judge at the end of time when everybody comes together for the final judgment? I don't think so. And if you have ears to hear, I think you'll hear God saying to you how to live your life now. That every day, not just on Sunday morning, it's great to come Sunday and worship the Lord and give thanks to him because it's exciting to be together with you and to do that. But what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? <laughs> he's given us every day to be the people he's called us to be, that we might be the same people that we are on Sunday on those different days as well, thinking about God and thinking about other people around us. That's what Jesus is telling us here. He says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow before me. That's what he's talking about. He is the only God, and every tongue will give praise to God. So then, verse number 12, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And again, we think that's a final judgment day, and I think that we will. We're, nobody else is going to stand with us. We're going to be alone answering to God what he has questions for us and how we lived our lives. But let me tell you, don't wait to the final judgment to try to get some answers. Why don't we find some answers here and now so the kind of life that we're living here and now is acceptable to God the Father? There's no reason why we have to be afraid of the final judgment because every day he's the judge of my life. He's a judge of my character. He's a judge of the things that I say. He works that out even presently now, every day. If you live in the judgment seat of Christ, you'll be happy that you've done that because you have another whole realm of responsibility that you're answerable to. And this says to each one of us. It's not saying now your brother or sister it's saying, how are you living your life? I trust as you come in this morning that you've already had a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't had that personal relationship, let me invite you to come to the one who loves you unconditionally. He loves you like you are. He doesn't want to change you in any way except he wants to forgive you and let you know that he loves you. That sound okay? He loves you. He really does. And he calls you to himself. And if you haven't surrendered to the Lord of your life, let me tell you, there's no better thing to do than to surrender to him because he loves you unconditionally. So surrender to him. Let him be the Lord of your life. Stop living for yourself and start enjoying other people because it's a wonderful life that God has given us to love and serve other people.
That's the life that he's given. That's what Christianity is. It's to be a part of a loving body of Christ and to love other people that God has put us together with. And then once we learn how to do that, he'll teach us how to love other people that are really unlovable. <laughs> the people that are out there that are out there to do you no good. He'll teach you even how to love them. That sound okay? Are you with me today? Are you thinking with me? <laughs> I hope so. God's word. We're going to go through it. There's another chapter and a half here that Pastor Daniel's going to deal with in the next two weeks. So this is just the beginning of this kind of an experience. And Paul's going to continue this for the next couple of weeks. Are you ready for that? You want to come back? <laughs> God has a plan. And he wants to fulfill it through us. He wants to do amazing work through us that we never thought possible. To each one of you, he says, will give an account of himself to God. So before you leave today, you might want to talk to somebody else. They may want to talk to you. You might want to learn somebody else's name and, and grow in the context of the body of Christ that God has given to us. And then we certainly want to please him in all of our ways. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together as your body, as your people, that we might truly learn how to not only love you, but to love the people you put together with us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a challenging song as we close today. You ready for more challenge? Okay, don't just think of the words. Sing the words. Make them your testimony today, okay? I'm not going to tell you what it is until we sing it. Stand and let's sing.